Hey folks, it's Yannick Guzdala. It's the Yannick Guzdala podcast. For anyone new to the channel, this is the long-form video of the week. I put out a podcast episode once a week. It's normally about 30 to 45 minutes long. It's the one I don't edit. It's the one that is just stream of consciousness. I know it's not for everyone. Some people like bite-sized chunks. That's all good. You don't have to watch. I'm getting better at, or listen rather, I'm getting better at putting time stamps in, not sure about subtitles on such a long video, but that's definitely something I've been adding recently to the videos. Uh, but yeah, I'm getting better at putting timestamps in. So if, if there's something in the episode that interests you, if it's why you clicked on the video and it's not the thing I'm getting to first, check the timestamps down below on the timeline. We are, of course, going to get into this kind of ridiculous new base that just arrived today and answer the question of am I becoming a six-string player? Am I going from being a five-string guy most of my career to playing a six-string because one, uh, a very playable one, uh, I should have gone spoiler alert there, but it's uh, it's all good. Probably wouldn't be featuring in the video if it sucked. Um, spoiler alert, a bit late, but uh, it's, it's sort of crushingly good as an instrument. Um, and I had no doubt that it would be, but sometimes it's like, oh, it's great, but it's not for me. It's, it's one of those ones where it's great and it's not what I do, but it sort of is for me <laughs> on a lot of levels. So that's that, that's that out the way. Um, it's January 23rd, 2024. We are about to hit the mayhem of the winter Nam show here in California and people are arriving. Things are arriving. Um, I start a bunch of meetings at the show this week, which are going to be uh, a lot of fun, very interesting. Hopefully, we'll bear some fruit in terms of being able to bring you guys new and interesting stuff to discuss. Um, before we get going on the on the bass thing, uh, as mentioned on a previous episode, um, I knew I was going to get these things. I've been gone, by the way, so I've been out of town for a few days with the family, uh, shut everything down, and while I was gone to Lusithand or Lusithand. I really need to ask Nuno how to uh, pronounce this, but these two pedals arrived from the UK. I'm going to say Lusithand for now. Probably wrong, but uh, we got the, the what is it, the, the ground and pound. It's like the Proco Rat thing that I mentioned before in the last episode. Really excited to check that one out. I'm so excited to check both pedals out, actually. Uh, so one's an overdrive distortion thingy, and the other is this... This bad boy here, compressor, uh, what's it called? The Alma Comp, um, really digging the, uh, you know, as you will know if you watch any episodes of the Pedal Studio, doing an ASMR toggle switch episode right now. <laughs> I'm a big fan of toggle switches on pedals, really uh, just dig what you can do with those. So we've got two on the compressor. I'm really looking forward to digging into that. Some of the examples I've heard of other people that have already made videos on this gear uh, sounded fantastic. So I'm excited to sort of find my own take on the thing and share it with you guys. So I'm going to leave those over here on the amp for now. A little display situation. And let's let's get to the base. Um, I, this, there's a, there, there is a small story behind this um, in that if you look very closely... Let's try and get this up to the camera. If you look very closely on, is it the 12th fret? It is, classic. On the 12th fret, you can see there's a C and a heart and a J. Um, and this bass was a gift from Matteson, from Anders Matteson for, uh, for, for, for mine and Chelsea's wedding uh, back in 2019. And I am going to do a very edited, 
you know, very much more informational video on this instrument when I have the time. Again, this is the podcast, folks. It's the long form thing. It's the thing you throw on in the background when you want to listen, but you have other things to do. At least that's how I that's how I listen to podcasts. Um, I will do a much more in-depth vi- uh, video about this with you know, fancy drone footage of the place we got married. And you know, we had a videographer there for the wedding. So there's the moment where Anders presented uh, us with this instrument and some beautiful pictures of it sitting there on the table where we had our wedding dinner and with the lights and everything. And <clears throat> I've been kind of thinking about it since two, uh, since 2019, which is when we got married, so four and a half years ago. And uh pandemic and all kinds of things happened in between that. And uh, Anders is finally back in California for the first time in a while. And um, I actually saw Henrik Linda today. They came over almost together, but Anders' flight was canceled. So uh, he's, he was delayed a little bit. And Henrik came uh, with a bunch of the instruments and delivered this one to me. We hung out uh, all day today, which was super fun. And we'll do more before the week is over. And uh, he ran up to the hotel room when I picked him up and he grabbed the grabbed this bass. And here we are. It's... Uh, yeah, well, I, I'm not not really sure where to start. It's, it's quite simple in terms of the of the layout. When you see, you know, it's only got three knobs. I think it's a volume, volume, tone, um, or or maybe volume, volume, blend. I really have to find out what the what they are. I think it's volume, volume, tone, and, and it's EMG pickups, which I've never used before in in an instrument. I've never had EMGs in a bass, um, so that's new for me. And of course, I've you know been on. It's tough to call it vacation because we just ran around in the in the snow and the ice and the cold, visiting tons of people, and it didn't really feel like we were rested. It was awesome, uh, but it was the East Coast. It was freaking January in in Fahrenheit. It was like twelve degrees at some point. So I, I don't consider it so much of a vacation. And when you've got a two year old. Uh, you know who's who is awesome she is amazing but at times it's a little tough traveling with a kiddo especially in the cold that she's not used to so i have been sort of out of the loop here and not playing at all so that sort of messed with my head with the six strings with with like with the positioning and everything i played it for about 20 minutes earlier on today when i got back to the house after henry gave it to me and really weird with the right hand for the positioning and i found myself like just missing a lot basically it not it's obviously not a completely natural thing right away this is also the first time i'm recording with it so the the waveform in logic tells me that it's all going through beautifully we 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 shall we shall have to see so even there <laughs> that felt like I was playing a tenth, but it's absolutely not. There's the tenth. So that's spacing. And it is, I think it's pretty close to my spacing. Uh, yeah, I've got my main bass behind me right here. Um, it's pretty close. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it's maybe, maybe more like 17 instead of 16 and a half. So that is familiar. It's a 32-inch scale as far as I know. So... It's it's in the ballpark of what I'm used to scale length. It's a zero fret, which I'm also used to, and ah, oh, just not my strings. So these were whatever Anders put on it, and I'm not sure. Maybe they they might be DRs, but they're definitely nickel, and I don't play nickel strings, and I'm not sure what the gauges are. Um, but the low B 
feels a little heavy for me um but also the action is quite low the setup is quite low so i'd have to raise it up to be uh to be sort of my to be in my kind of ballpark and it's 24 frets i'm super used to the 28 now and if i had another instrument built i would you know specifically for touring or something off a record or a project i'd probably go for 26 i think that's the sweet spot having used the prototype of, of this bass um for so long now and really not you know I, I hit the the very high e sometimes the 20 28th fret of the c string i hit it sometimes but it's not something that's like a, an absolute must but when i play a bass that's 24 frets there's two octaves like this i sort of do miss that extra whole step of the 25th and 26th fret i know that sounds probably very strange to most people who consider themselves bass players because that's not really in the traditional bass player range but for what i do melodically and chordally and, and just certain things the 26th fret yeah it's not i, I guess not a hundred percent deal breaker but it, i do feel like i miss it um but yeah, let's. So that is both pickups. Let's go rear pickup only. Still very strange feeling. <laughs> My initial report here is that I'm not a six string person and never have been, although I've owned one before and I've played played them sometimes. It's really not something I was like, oh, that's really going to be a regular part of my setup or my thing or something that I consider as, as a go-to option. Um, but now, even even as, as much as I'm fumbling through uh, playing this and learning this instrument, it it feels right away like oh this is actually a serious option you know it's a serious instrument you know for all the for all the ups and downs of my relationship with the Matheson brand and the signature instruments not working out uh, the way we had planned and me and Anders not speaking for a while and you know everything kind of being a lot better now and and uh no no hard feelings or anything or malice or anything like that in either direction at all um just circumstances beyond sort of everyone's control at the end of the day uh leading to that whole project of having a signal instrument instrument with matheson not really working out the way we had planned um you know the 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 bottom line to me is that he just makes insanely nice instruments and um i guess it's like I kind of liken it to, you know, perhaps what I do as a as a I've put inverted commas, you know, air quotes up here because what I do as a musician in air quotes because there's so much more to it than just playing this instrument, and I think, in all honesty, I should probably just play the the, the instrument. I should probably just do what it was I set out to do in the first place. And what, you know, had I started my career in the late 70s or early 80s is just what I would have done my entire life because that was what there was in the world and in the style of music that I enjoy playing. Uh, it would have just been play bass. You can name, well, I can name so many of my heroes and that's basically all they've done 
all. Okay, all. That's not. That, that sounds terrible. That, that is what they have done quite happily and lovingly their entire careers. And whether you're looking at someone like J- uh, Jimmy Johnson or uh, Gary Willis, or I'm trying to think of people of that that age, that era. They really, and maybe Gary's a, a poor example of what I'm trying to say because Gary really adapted with technology in, in a lot of ways. Um, he's not exactly a TikToker or a hardcore YouTuber, but he definitely did some things through the late 2000s, early 2010s that a lot of people of his generation were not doing that involved things outside of you know simply playing the instrument. Um, but when, yeah, when I look at people like Jimmy Johnson, Anthony Jackson, you know, Jeff Andrews until his passing, a lot of my heroes um, and people I looked up to and um, really admired, you know, Patatucci and until very recently and John has like started to, you know, create an online presence and is definitely looking in that direction. For the most part, all of these people had their careers centered around playing. And I say all of this to say that, you know, I think Anders uh, Matheson's genius is in his designing and perhaps building one-offs almost. Like he has his range of instruments, the Matheson range, the V1, the V2, like fours and five strings, six strings, whatever. Has a couple of special instruments like Henrik Linder's uh, models. Um, so those instruments are like quite replicable. It's easy. I don't know if easy is the right word. I guess to him because he's such a great builder. But they're they're not. It's not a complicated. It's not a big ask to make a design, I think, and then be able to replicate that uh, fairly easily on your own. If you have two or three designs, not such a big ask. I know a lot of single builders do that. But it's like to go into really complicated designs and really weird things and experimentation and all of that stuff takes time and takes a certain kind of mentality and approach that I think maybe if you only do that, that's amazing. Like if you have somebody else to do the real, the legwork, the business and the all that like behind the scenes stuff and you can just concentrate on the thing you do really well, the most, it's probably the, the most ideal situation. Now, I, I believe that what I do the best is play the instrument. Out of all the things I have to do as a musician now to, to live, to survive, I still believe, I, I believe that what I still do the best with the most proficiency, with the most originality for what I do is play the bass. Um, but that is not even close to being 50% of, of my day, you know, in terms of like, you know, printing shipping labels and going to the post office and digging into new pedals and making a podcast and, and all of those other things that go into staying in touch with you, with the audience and maintaining the ability to still go out and play music. So I guess I draw a parallel between what is ideal, which for me would just be just to play the bass and concentrate on writing and recording music around the clock, basically. And I imagine for Anders would be concentrating on simply building just incredible one-off instruments without the need to think about business and promotion and marketing and customer service and production and all that kind of stuff. So, um, so we sort of went down a bit of a rabbit hole there. I'm not even sure quite how we started it. That happens sometimes on this podcast. Get ready, get, you know, get used to it. If you're, if you're new to the channel and new to the podcast, um, there is normally a, a, a good point behind all of it, though. It's not normally random nonsense, but um, that's just some of the things I've been thinking about today as I play this new instrument. And as I've been playing, if you've been following for a while, you know I played the F bass for a while and I stopped playing the Matheson. I obviously stopped playing the Federas a, a long time ago. There have been these transition periods 
Um, and it's something I've thought about, like what attracts me to a certain instrument and to a certain builder and what are the parallels with my life and how can I learn from that? Just so many things uh, rotating there in the brain. Um, so let's try and play a little bit of music. It's very strange. I'm just going to have to keep saying that every 10 bars because I really don't know where I am on the instrument. Just... Uh, there of course I'm, I'm reaching for a note that isn't there I'm reaching for that C sharp because I want break of the 26th fret oh i'll have to ask henrik what he has on his six string whether it's 20 i guess i could just look at a photograph right if it's 24 26 um he was telling me today he was thinking of going down to a 32 inch scale and he said he has a 31 inch scale some prototype or something that sounded interesting i don't think i'm down to go quite there quite that uh quite that low and um yeah let's uh let's see it's going to take me some days uh, or weeks or months but who knows at this point to get used to i'm also thinking in the back of my head like whoa if i start to get used to this does that affect the other fives the, the, the other bass like the five string with the high c like where does all this sit like what kind of an effect does it have on on the all-round thing um something i have try to do more and more of over the past let's see like seven or eight years was to be not so not use the bass as like a security blanket not tell myself that i can only play the way i play if i have exactly the right bass with exactly the right effects and pedal board and amp and surround like because the just the amount of times that i could line all of those things up to be perfect or my version of perfect or to make them sound the way I thought I wanted them to sound. It was just wasn't a hundred percent of the time. So I started to really like run through my rack of bases and just start to practice on things I would never normally practice. Five string jazz style bass with a low B would never normally do that, but I have a mayonnaise out there and bam, do that. Okay. Do it with a more like rocky, genty bass. Okay. Great. Do that. Do it with a four string. Do it with flat wounds. Do it with tape wounds. Do it with round wounds, half wounds, copper wounds, like just any type of variation, like really dead strings and try and play super melodically and lyrically. Really try to push myself to do that just to be able to, to, to walk into any situation without any of my gear and still be, still be me. Um, still really have that shine through. If you've been watching the channel recently, I've started to upload regular, kind of, it's starting to become a more regular series of videos. I want to do four things on the channel, hopefully weekly, as and when I'm in town. It'll get a little bit, you know, wonky when I'm on tour, but I would like to do an episode of the Pedal Studio once a week. 
I'd, I'd love to do this podcast once a week. So there's two things. Uh, the last couple of big videos that have done very well on the channel uh, have been more lesson-based. They've been more about the practice routine. They seem to be more accessible to more people. I've been adding subscribers like crazy more than ever before. I've been getting some very positive feedback. And I want to continue down that lane sharing you know stuff that's in my book stuff that i work on in my practice routine and stuff that i haven't even thought about yet and that will inevitably come up in the future that's what that kind of third lane of it is and then right now there's the could i play bass with series which i've been using now a a, a bunch of different bases i use the uh on the on the band playing uh, up on cripple creek i use the the goya panther 2 which was super fun I've used the P bass a bunch, and I've used the five string. I used the five string on the Chris Stiffer Cross uh, sailing thing, and, and I loved it. Like I really felt like it it could be the right instrument for the song, even though it was I don't know who played what. Actually, I don't know who the bass player is on that original. I should look that up. Um, but the chances are it it was quite likely a Fender bass, as it often is on huge songs that were recorded thirty more years, thirty or more years ago. Um, but actually the, the challenge was to, can I play my own bass? Can I make it work for the song? So always trying to, to, to look at different things in that respect. So sidebar, those are the four things that I see happening on the channel more and more and more frequently. So chime in, in the comments below, let me know what you think about that. If those are four areas of interest, that would be fantastic, you know, showcasing different songs in the could i play bass with series doing a bunch of lessons for people who really want to get something into their practice routine that's new you know doing the pedal studio for the for the gearheads and this is just fun for everyone i think because we all secretly even if we tell ourselves we don't we all secretly sort of dig gear and and what it what it means for us what it does for us and and how it makes us feel um so the pedal studio is always fun to do oh sorry groot groot just groot just bit the dust um and then, of course, the podcast, which is the long form, stream of conscious, sometimes bullshit, hopefully most of the time useful to somebody listening there or, or keeping you occupied while you do the dishes or something. Give me some feedback on that. It feels like a, a kind of finding a, a balance finally with the with the channel. Um, so let's see. That's that's what's happening. That's what's going on this week. And the podcast is a great place to not just be me like this on my own. Uh, talking for 30 minutes or something. I'm going to have a couple of people this week uh, as guests do interviews. So I'm psyched about that. Um, very, uh, very fun. And who knows, going down to NAM, you run into people, I might be able to pick up a couple of more interviews on the way and just have a re- revolving door of people coming in the house on the weekend when they get burnt out with NAM and they're like, oh, you know what? I want to go somewhere where it's quiet, where we can actually talk, hear ourselves think, hear ourselves speak have a conversation about music rather than talking about the DSP and a fucking multi-effects unit or something. Um, I, I do realize as I'm talking here, I've played hardly any music with this new bass that's been sitting on my lap. Uh, 
So the linear things feel okay to play. I don't feel like I'm getting lost string to string. It's when it comes time to put a chord down and I'm not quite getting like the, the, the target point for the root note that normally feels so sort of effortless. The combination of where both hands are and the reference points I have for the instrument I've played so much over the past sort of seven years or so, I think it's been now. Jeez, it's been that long with the five string? Six years, seven, something like that. Yeah, it's been a while with that instrument. So that anecdotally here is something I will have to work on. And probably go really go back to basics in a lot of ways. to there being just literally getting used to there being six strings six six options here rather than five let's go let's go through tone controls and stuff just to give you an idea um let's go back pick up if this is let's find out is this if this is tone yeah i think it is tone so this is just back pickup with all the tone rolled off back pick up with tone rolled on oh that's pretty aggressive did not expect that again little clanky my, my touch not the bass but my touch is a little clanky because the action is quite low is probably going to suit my sound a little better um, let's switch now front pickup and you'll notice if you ch if you check it here they're sort of a little non first of all they're slanted so i haven't had uh, a base where the pickups aren't at uh, right angles to the to the uh, down the microphones in, this, in the way <laughs> that where the where the pickups are at right angles to the strings um so I'll have to ask Anders what the concept behind that is. But I've seen basses with it, so I know it's not a, a new, like, super crazy thing. Um, and l much like my five-string, they're quite close together as well. So I, I'm going to ask Anders, like, what the concept was behind that, whether it was to sort of match that idea. Um and also what EMGs are. I don't know EMG pickups at all. Of course, I know what they are. The EMG is a massive company and has been around forever. But I don't know the pickups at all. And I am absolutely not qualified to talk about them at all. So that's something I'll research before I do the main video on this bass. And here we're listening to the... We're listening to the front pickup only. That's what I was playing before, right? those notes just getting through uh, a major scale like that is um, interesting <laughs> yeah. three octave major scale interesting with the tone off let's front pick up tone on oh yeah got that thing again I 
pickups are actually really that that's the action thing as well. The pickups are really close to the string, um, so that made me trip up there a little bit. That's something I would. I've just got to change it. I'm not going to get used to that because I like the high action. to do what I do normally um, with the pickups that close to the string. That's interesting. Let's try a similar kind of thing with the back pickup. Whole different world of, uh, world of muting now as well. for a tenth did not make it okay and then both together I guess so oh man the screensaver is going on the computer again this happened the last time I did a long-form video sitting this way around. Normally, I'm sitting on the couch for the podcast. If anyone's new to this, you just get rid of this thing. That's better. Okay, so there you have it. Am I switching from five to six? If you know, if I had to guess, no, as my main thing, but it's now a definite option more than it ever was before, and it's a really nice instrument. I guess that's the conclusion here. Is it's I, I'm like <laughs> very, very fortunate to have an instrument of this quality in my hand. I don't know what that is as a top. Am I going to get it wrong? If I, is that spalted maple? I don't know. Not so sure. What's the body? Similar looking, um, see, we get, sorry, I didn't show you guys this. Similar looking neck joint to my uh, five string. Where's my five string? Oh. Oops, where's the camera going? Here, there's the five. Da, da, da. This is so disorganized. <laughs> this is not a, a show and tell type of setup at all crazy that how much time i've put in on this on the five string and how the how the neck is so i just so played in and anders doesn't um doesn't varnish any of this stuff he does like some finishing oil stuff which is which actually what it feels like right now there are some parts which, which are kind of sticky where maybe the oil hasn't dried yet um but it will take some some hours to sort of rub that in and get it get it kind of natural i guess and of course like i'm saying all this i've just got this new bass. this bass was a, a gift for for both chelsea and i so it's not even my bass 100 percent to uh decide about or do what i want with and you know in the here in our, in our house and in our careers in our lives as as married bass players we share everything you know um you know more on the you know chelsea's never been a pedal person particularly um so yet she uses my pedals i have no problem with that um like the bases are just open for and kind of up for grabs i actually sold my 
Mustang not that long ago when I was doing the big purge and really selling all my bases. Um, so Chelsea has a Mustang. was almost identical that we got a matte black paint job on. So now I'll use that if I need a Mustang, um, like a real short-scale, thumpy little thing. Uh, she has an F-Base, which feels really nice. I also have the F-Base. And my F-Base was her has been her favorite base for a while she just did a run of shows in in los angeles here and used i think she used my f base on every single one except the last show something like that she she loved it so uh and quite rightly so it's an amazing instrument um and subsequently because she's been using it it's not in here so i can't grab it and show it to you for uh for comparison's sake um let's put the six string aside for a second because i did bring these other instruments out for a reason just to give you a little sort of walk down what it, oh i use this one on the can i play bass with series as well I, I do dig this one the triple p uh so-called because it has three p bass pickups in it um this is a prototype this was one of the ones that was going to be a signature it's sort of a what do you call that uh road worn uh custom shop kind of thing we just beat the shit out of the body before the neck went on it <laughs> that's essentially what that means like dragged it across the floor and dropped hammers and nails on it and it's it's got some character i also just love the instrument as well it's a great studio bass i love the 3p option but again it's a prototype it was never finished it needs a string tree on the on the headstock to keep the strings down when you put them on it's got uh dr legends on it now flat wound so i have this sort of p bass style um, modern P bass, I guess, with the with the three pickup options. That's got some newer flats on it. I'll have to play that a lot. That's, they'll have to stay on there for ten years now before they sound like my actual P bass. And um, that one of my favorite basses I've ever owned ever, and it's in a lot of ways like kind of a piece of junk. It, and I mean this lovingly, but it, it there are so many things about it that you would never. You just never put it into production as a result. And if you went to the store, if you were like, I don't know. I don't know. If I went to the store and played this, I would connect with it and I would buy it. But you might not be able to charge sort of top dollar in terms of the finish and the quality because this is uh, a Henrik Linder signature of something or the other. It's basically the the studio base of all studio bases. It's got two jazz pickups in it, the P pickups. Uh, more knobs than you possibly know what to do with passive active it's a four string it's one of the nicest necks i've ever played but like the pick guard's a piece of crap you know it's sharp and sometimes i like cut my fingers on it if i don't if i'm not careful so there are finish things on it that are horrendous but as a bass it plays amazing and uh it's been one of my favorite bases to use like as an active sort of r&b pop bass when i need to do that in the studio um Henrik's coming over for dinner, I think, on the weekend. I'm just hoping, uh, <laughs> hoping this doesn't disappear. Um, he's got plenty of bases. He'll be fine. Uh, but I would be really sad if that one left. There was a five-string version as well that right around, this is like four years ago, right around when these were first being prototyped with this CNC company that didn't end up working out um, for obvious reasons. <laughs> uh, there was a five string that somebody bought another prototype and, you know, obviously Anders, when you can sell a base, you sell it and you make the money and, and move on to the next thing. Luckily I got to keep this one, but the five string was killer as well. Um, 
and there was a five string of the triple P or there was a five string of, of that style of bass of the triple P, but it had a jazz pickup in the back and P pickups in the front, kind of like the Mustang setup. Anyway, a lot of instruments, um, knocking around these four that I've shown you today are all made by Matheson. Um, a little quirk on the he- on the headstock of this. Uh, I don't know if you noticed this. Some of you more diligent gearheads will have seen that these are actually guitar tuners on the top three strings and bass tuners on the bottom three strings. I have no idea why. I just noticed it when Henrik was handing me the bass, and I was like, "Yo, what's that?" He's like, "Well, yeah, Anders quite likes to do that on some of the basses." So that's a terrible Henrik Linder impersonation, but. Uh, so yeah, I got to ask him about that as well. There's a lot to find out about this instrument, but it was very uh, sentimental. It was a big surprise when you know, and, and you'll see this in the in in the video that I make about it. I'll actually share the moment that we saw this instrument for the first time. Very emotional, and a very kind gift. And you know, Anders and his wife came down to the wedding, and it was just you know all very very cool, very positive. It's nice to have the bass in the house. Chelsea played it for like 30 seconds today before she had to rush out to Disney and like, you know, direct some band or something or the other. Like she's always got some crazy project going on. So she's barely played it. She hasn't even played it in an amp yet. So I'm curious to see what she thinks of it. She used to play six string. That was her main thing for the longest time. Uh, So, yeah, that's it for this episode. Yeah, sneaking it in a little bit late, obviously, because we were out on that quote-unquote vacation (laughs) just try to stay warm for a few days on the east coast and uh so much more coming with the pedal studio can i could i play bass with the lesson videos which have been going amazing really appreciate the feedback on that and um yeah uh, all of the books sold out all of the physical copies the signed copies i had to do like a mad i've never ordered this many books like public publisher author copies of of my books from amazon ever before i literally ordered like something like a hundred books across the board because there are so many i ordered a few of each but there will be pentatonics and 251 and altered and sight reading and chordal harmony and all of those books will be back in stock iconic lines shipping worldwide in just a few days from now from when this podcast is launching so after nam all of those books will be back if you want it right now you can still order it from amazon they just won't be signed by me unfortunately um but if that is not a, a deal breaker for you you can get them from amazon right now um and of course all of the ebooks are available at the website yannickwasdala.com forward slash store it's all linked below uh, leave me a comment definitely hit the thumbs up if you're digging what you see consider subscribing to the channel if you're new as so many people are new this week hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of new people uh that has not gone unnoticed i very much appreciate the support and just look forward to sort of continuing down this uh down this lane that i seem to have found myself in the last few weeks that has been connecting way more with you guys and uh it's always nice to find something that i really enjoy and that you guys also really enjoy a lot more of you guys i should say really enjoy and uh long may it long may it continue um i'm really going to be coming at you next episode with an interview which is going to be a lot of fun i'll let you find out who that is when it launches and tour dates and all kinds of things coming up lots of u.s touring east coast midwest which i haven't done in a long time also going to be playing a show out uh with with 
two of my best friends out in uh, Denver, Colorado at Dazzle. I believe that's April 20th. I know that's a ways out, but the plan is to just smash it on that one. These are two insane musicians um, that I've known for years and really very one of the one of the shows I'm really looking forward to the most this year. So that'll be super fun. Hopefully Denver will have thawed out by then, but you have been warned. We're coming uh April 20th, I believe the date is. But tons more information on dates as we get closer. Um gonna be in China, gonna be in uh Taiwan, um bunch of places all over the world. So all right, deep breath, that's it. Really appreciate you guys uh sticking around this long and um yeah, see you on the next episode. Bye.